This is episode four of the Social Experiment podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Mark. And we're talking about brand identity and our value in the marketplace. Yeah, I think it's an interesting topic. Um, we should probably explain, we've, we've, we're, a bit, we're a wee bit behind with the release schedule, summer holidays, all that sort of stuff. So we'll get back on track. For those yeah, that are, we need to have holidays, right? Yeah, but there like, might be some people that have been sitting waiting with I, bated breath for the next episode. Yeah, and they've been listening to it on the beach. They've been listening <laughs> to our some maybe some did. It'd be quite nice. They will. So we're we're back on track. Yep. Um, Should we talk really quickly about where we are for the people that are watching yeah, this, not grand, just listening? It's a cracking venue. So it's a it's a place called Graft. Um, it's two four one West George Street in Glasgow, and it's one of these. Um, serviced office spaces it serves a number of different purposes it's a sort of private business club so you, you become a member and then you get access to the place um, but it's got it's got everything and we're in one of the, the little kind of meeting rooms today and we're going to have a scoot around and have a look around Aye, you'll get the tour um, get a t- proper tour see, I'm serious I'm really impressed with this place and um, I, I'm probably going to sound biased full disclosure I'm now, I'm now doing a bit of work for them but what's cool about that is I like working with businesses and brands and individuals that I actually like like what they do mm-hmm. so that's the case for this place it's absolutely cracking yeah. in here yeah and liking what they do is I guess part of the theme for yep. what we're talking about today so yep. that's so, going to be great graphlife.com check them out um, I understanding your value to the marketplace it's I think it can be a struggle when you're on your own, when you work on your own. Do you agree? <laughs> um, okay, so I guess when you start out, and I remember when I started out, you kind of assume that everyone else in business knows all about it. They know what their own value is. That They're kind of like grown-up businesses and you're just starting in your business. So you're trying to figure yourself out. You're trying to measure yourself in every sense and the most important part of that is you know what can I offer and what's the value of it ultimately that's going to translate to what should I charge yeah it's a complicated question that can be a complicated question so I guess we'll partly cover that today um what I think, your, what your well I think I, I totally agree is that the charging thing is um is really really interesting so I've I've moved my my business has totally evolved in, in the last six or seven months um, and the thing that I'm, I'm focusing on my passion at the minute is photography I've always dabbled with it but and I've, I've had a few paid photography jobs as a kind of offshoot of what I've done for clients in the past you know can you take some photographs of that yeah and I get paid but I'd never called myself a professional photographer because I feel that's moving into a place where there's a lot of expectations of what you bring to the market and I thought I'm not really there yet but I'm trying to get there and I'm on a Facebook group that's um, really popular with both sort of amateur serious amateurs and professional photographers and a regular question is um, I've been asked to do this photo shoot how much should I charge and it's a question that so many of them have got particularly when they're starting out, I'm just brand new, I've never done one before, how much did I charge? Whereas if you watch a YouTube video that's an interview with Annie Leibovitz, one of the most famous portrait photographers of however many years, um, she's never ever going to talk about, oh, I've been asked to photograph Sir Paul McCartney, how much did I charge? They never think about it because they know the value they bring. Mm. And basically whoever's hiring them knows the value they bring. So, because you don't even, you probably don't even ask her what it is, you just get the bill. 
So yeah, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so obviously, I'm I'm at one level, you know, really starting out as a as a so-called professional photographer, and she's at the other level, and it's figuring out the value that I bring and how much of the charge. So in the for groups it. that you talked about, who would typically be your clients? No, these are um, th these are on the group. It's other guys like okay. me that are you know either serious hobbyists, wannabe pros, or new pro photographers. So for the the photography offering that you're offering, yeah, who would type of? I'll be the client. client, right? Okay, for me, yeah. Oof, um, well, at the minute, um, so the barber shop. Remember the first yep. episode? That's mm -hmm. um, that's my client, and that's been great. Really good exposure, and I've had some interesting potential leads for more work through that. Um, another client would be. Um, uh, I'm going to be doing one a photo shoot soon for a woman that sets up um, like balloon displays at parties. So she's doing a baby shower mm -hmm. and she's have asked if I'll come along and do the, do the photos for mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. So it's entry-level stuff at the minute. Yeah, that, yeah, sounds, sounds fun. So but so there are going to be slightly different types of values, different, slightly different types of um, client and customer until you find what kind of people you want to work with and who wants to work with you. That, that's going to make it more difficult, isn't it, to figure out what yep. the value is. I suppose if you were offering, like if you're selling a car, say, the product's already made and you're comparing it with other cars. So you need, or we need, and people who are entrepreneurs, I guess, need to think about what are the different variables that are going to have an impact or what the different what the different ways that you would tweak up or tweak down or change or, or develop your pricing depending on different things. Yeah. Um, so if you've got set products or set processes or set services, that that might be sort of time bound. So you might charge in terms of time. But I think one of the important things that you said there was value. You know, what's the end vendor going to get? What's the I I think the, the the weird thing about value, right? And it it's, it's a sort of there's so I think there's so many layers to it. There's there's the kind of self doubt. Like is, is what is what I'm bringing to a client worth what I think it's worth. Mm. Or is it even is it worth even more to them? Mm -hmm. um, so that whole thing, you know, the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So you might have a skill, but it might be a fairly limited skill. It might not be fully developed yet, and you reckon you might decide this could be a, a viable business offering. So it could be photography. We'll just mm -hmm. run with that analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're all right at it. You know that you know mm -hmm. a wee bit more than the basics, and you know that you can take and, and edit a better photograph than the owner of a cupcake selling bakery mm -hmm, could mm -hmm. on their phone mm -hmm. and on their own exactly so yeah. in that scenario what you offer them is valuable mm -hmm. because you can show them a photograph that you've taken and edited and it's it looks way better than what they could do and it's interesting because if you develop the skill you're great at it it's easy for you it's fun for you um, but it's maybe taking days weeks months years to yep. develop your skill um, it's hard for them because they're not practicing it which is kind of interesting because, you know, that's the whole point of um, why they'd want to to work with you, that you can offer. Exactly. That. They, can't, they can't do it for themselves. Um, but it might be easy for you in one sense. But it wasn't easy for you to develop the skill. Yep. It wasn't it easy began. for you to develop the skill. So it's that thing about, you know, the old, I'm sure you know the old story about the, you know, you get an engineer in to fix the boiler and he goes in, gives it a tap and suddenly it starts working and charges like, 300 quid whatever i was going to say ten thousand dollars <laughs> and you say well i'm not charging that you know and it's like so what, what's the what's the punchline you know 
it, it took me 10 seconds to fix it, but it took, you know, 10 years to figure out where to tap. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that, that comes back to the perception of value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you and I could look at that and go, what, you char- we charge $10,000 Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know we both work hard. I know how long I've taken to develop my skills. Um, and when I think comparably about other industry standards, so my area of interest is, again, would be coaching leadership development. So I, I know, for example... Um, many of the associations for coaching, the formal associations, how much they would prescribe or encourage for uh, continuous personal development, for example, how, how, um, how many hours you should keep learning to hone your craft. And I do way more than it would be the typical um, sort of de- developmental advice. That's partly because I love it. I mean, I, like I've said in another um, podcast. I'm, a, you know, I'm a geek that way. That's why I wanted to get into this industry. I, lo- I love that stuff. So I'm typically developing way more than you would, um, than professionals are advised. So I, that's one way that I think about um, the skills that I'm developing. And the things that are they're easy for me, um, or fun for me, or interesting for me. That I, and I know they're hard for the client. The other part is that. When I'm working with a client, so I'll be working with managers and leaders, for example, who then will influence their team. So I, I may engage with one person that can have a, a value that's 10 times the value yep. because they're interacting with their team. And if they develop, let's say, their team dynamic or to develop their leadership skill. So let's say I go in and I do, I don't know, let's say I do uh, a couple of single day or multi day programs for them or something like that. You know, that might take six days in total, let's say, over a however long a period of time. But the benefit that they get from that will be months and years um, that will play out in their cult, their organisational culture. So th- those are the types of things I'll start to think when I think about value. Mm-hmm. Now, so when I first started in business, maybe our, our viewers would be interested in this, or our listeners would be interested in this. When I first started out, the easiest way to benchmark um, your value would be to look at other coaches and consultants and to think, well, what do they charge? But then I started to realise I'm probably developing a, a lot more than most, not not um, all coaches and consultants, but I would say more than average. Um, I think uh, when I look at what other coaches or leadership development specialists claim and then I check, well, what can I do? How do, how do I compare with that? Um but over time, I've moved away from that. I, 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 it's less about comparing myself with other consultants See, and it's much more about what do I think I can deliver for this client and what do I think the value, how would I construe that value? And I've got different yep. indicators that would so, help me do that. So this is, I think, because as you were talking earlier on, um, that's one of the things I was thinking, do, is it a good idea when we're in business, either starting out or been in a long time, to compare ourselves constantly to the competition? Um, and I think... If you're a really, really super secure person and you're not overly attached to your ego, you probably don't really worry about anybody else is doing. Mm. You're just very, very centred and you kind of know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the ones that are maybe that maybe struggle with having a bigger ego that will be constantly comparing themselves mm. to make sure they're still number one, make sure they're still the best and feeling the need to kind of brag about yeah, it. Humble yeah. brag on LinkedIn or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I think it's a fairly common thing at the start to have a look. Well, what's, what are my competitors doing? What are my competitors charging? How do I compare to them? 
I don't think it's a good philosophy to continue with that mindset. I think you, well, you figure out what you're what you're about, what your brand is, and yeah. you just stay true to that. Well, it starts to develop. So I might look at a, a peer, let's say, or an apparent peer, another coach or leadership development specialist. Now, I'll look at their business and I'll look at what they claim, but I'll also try and dig deeper. I'll try and think, well, what's their training? How long have yeah. they been in the business? You know, what does that claim actually mean? Does it Does it stack up? Now that's early on. That's still a comparison, and you're thinking, well, what kind of training and experience have I got? But going through the motions of that helps you figure out that I can start to think about my own value in my own terms. Um, so yeah, it's understandable to compare yourself with other people when you start, but it's probably not a great idea to continue with that. I think the other thing is, as you mature in your own business, you start to understand the value and the impact that you can have with your clients, and that's really the important part. Aye. The other thing maybe it's worthwhile considering, you know, for if some of our viewers are, I think probably some of our viewers might be, um, let's say more kind of entrepreneurial, let's say, uh, interest because we've we've talked a lot about those topics historically. Um, I think one of the things, and we might have mentioned that in another podcast, but and the idea that comes to mind for me is that your business and your business brand and the business value is partly what you say it is. So if you operate as an easy jet as opposed to a British Airways that is your brand and so your pricing is part of your brand and um, I think that's an important consideration yeah, we, we talked about that I think it was the pilot it may have been the pilot yeah. um, and, and it's, it's we'll be seeing it much cooler now compared to the pilot though yeah absolutely and better surroundings and we'll hopefully get a better handle on the editing and all that sort yeah. of stuff but I think it's, it's absolutely true you, you, your um, your perceived value is in direct relation to how your brand is perceived. So if you're seen as being, and I know at the minute in some of the stuff I'm doing because I'm having to kind your of new reinvent myself, my new ventures, I'm kind of seen as being the EasyJet or the Ryanair a wee bit, but I'm trying to offer, and I wouldn't use British Airways as a good standard of service. I think they're crap, right? But that's a whole separate topic. So I'm maybe running sort of EasyJet Ryanair prices, but I'm trying to offer Emirates service. Um, and I think that's an important thing to have in business as well. It's the whole... Um, I can't remember if the, the, the phrase is um, under promise but over deliver sure, yeah. but it's that mindset where you go right okay listen I'll do this for you and I'll cost you X and mm -hmm. the client goes alright okay that's, that's, that's pretty good um, but then you give them something even more valuable you give them even better service you, or you turn around the work quicker whatever it may be you throw in a little bit extra so that their then perception of what you've given them the value, the inherent value of it is then elevated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think that's an important thing to do in business. I'm not saying you do that all the time and if it's a you know an ongoing client, you maybe can't afford yeah, to do it all so the time. Yeah, so there's something about identifying the value, which I think we've already <clears throat> excuse me, started to speak about. But I think what we're talking about here is managing the value. So I yeah. think, for example, like... So, for example, a really common thing that's ha that happens in coaching and some of the, the kind of one-to-one -one change work that I do and I use change work in the broadest sense. Um, sometimes I'll help someone make a change or like figure something out. And then after they've made the change, it's easy for them. And, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know what the fuss was. And it's like, well, yeah, it was a fuss yeah. before we talked and now it's not. Yeah. So part of the the value management is helping them appreciate the, the value of the change that they've gone through. Um, mm. And therefore, you know, why am I justify my fees or my services yep. um, equally and more the in the corporate work that I do the organizational change work that I do um, 
you know, some of the stuff can, they say, well, they might say, well, it's common sense. Well, it's common sense now after you've learned it, but before it, you weren't doing it. Exactly. It's so, funny that so, happens, so it wasn't that, it? So it wasn't that common. Oh, yeah, it's just common so sense. So you have to kind of manage the value a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The little bit of managing the value, I think, can also be where a client says, oh, I'd love it if we could do this and we could do that and can we do this and can we do all, can we do all of that in half a day? And it's like, well, yeah. you know, is that the best use of half a day? Is that the best way it would work? Um, and so sometimes because clients don't understand what, um, how, you know, how things work, that's why they're getting your expertise. They don't understand the value. So sometimes you have to exp- yeah. sort of explain that to them as you well. Know, it's managing the value. Managing the value. And, and it goes back to something, I think, again, you know, a little bit of callback here um, to something we, we talked about really early on is, is doing work for free and how it's, it's pretty much a no-no. It is pretty much a no-no. And there's, there's a different thing for, for helping a friend out, you know, or a colleague helping them out with something. Um, I did I did a, a bit of free work as a favour for somebody else. So the, so the work was for a third party, mm-hmm. but I did it as a favour to somebody who I've got a business relationship with and um, there's a bit of quid pro quo mm-hmm. and he'd said listen this project's come up there's no budget for it could you take care of mm-hmm. it so I did it shot, shot the video edited the video um, so the third party recently came back to me and said um, I'm needing some more stuff done so what is her perceived value of what mm. I bring to her business yeah zero mm. Because what was her budget for this project? It wasn't quite zero, but it was nowhere near what it needed to be. Yeah. So she was wanting um, work done to um, that, that could help her win an international competition that would establish her business and brand on an international level. So you're, you know, the perceived value to her business of the work that I would deliver, pretty much without measure at the minute. I mean, it mm. take her business to another stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it came down to pricing and all that sort of oh. Oh. Mm. Um, so it's funny that I, I can only take that back to the perceived value you know she got the work done for free at the start mm-hmm. um, or without charge to her and uh, yeah she thinks afterwards it's lo- shouldn't really cost too much well when I when I started out doing certain types of change work I would and I thought you know if I was when I was still learning my craft I would say to clients, okay, the value of this change would be this. If it works, then yep. you can pay me. Yeah. But if it doesn't work, don't. That's interesting. Don't, don't pay me. And a lot of coaches and, and agents of change wouldn't couch it that way. Have we got a band? We've got a pipe you? band. I don't know whether it's. I don't know if the mics are picking it up. Um, but yeah, we've got a pipe band. It's passed by. That's. I, that's I was. A nice I was. Little I, interlude. I, yeah, I was getting. I was getting a Celtic rouse <laughs> there. Exactly. It's funny how, we, um, for those listening and watching, you know, that, that aren't Scottish, it's really hard to describe what the sound of a pipe band does to a Scotsman. I don't know if it's in our DNA or whether it's just it's through auto-suggestion as you're growing up. I don't know what it is, but uh, you feel it, something. It never fails you? and it only takes a, a little... Yeah, but I suppose that was chanter. the purpose of the, the pipe bands in the first place. They literally led men into battle. So it's supposed to... It's supposed to do that. Um, right, let's take a quick break. We'll just make sure all our cameras are recording. Um, and then when we come back, I think it, I think we need to talk about um, letting our value become undermined by worrying about what people think of us and our work. Does that sound good? Sounds interesting. Right, take a quick break.
Okay, we're back and um, so we're talking about understanding our value to the market. We've covered our pricing, we've covered comparing ourselves to competitors, we've covered our client or customers perceived value of what we bring. You know, we might think, oh, I can only do this, but to them, that's amazing. You know, they've got, mm-hmm. they've, um, it blows their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, there's two other things I think we need to talk about. One of them is, is being concerned with um, worrying about how we're perceived. So we've talked before about the use of social networks, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your Twitter, all that sort of stuff, Instagram. Um, and also, um, let me just actually check what that other point was. My mind has drawn a blank. How to express yourself with authenticity, which is kind of the, a big driver it's, it's of why we're theme, doing this podcast. It? It's been a theme, for us. Um, the, the worrying about being liked and... and shaping your perceived your own personal perception of your value based on how you're liked i think is really really dangerous as well because then then you start to change and mold who you are to suit well it's doomed to failure because if you start changing yourself either personally or professionally to fit everybody else's needs you're you're going to just you're you're all over the place right um now that's different from being attentive to your odd your audience, um, other people, your 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 customers, and providing something that's useful for them. But when it comes to values, it's you know, I think that's a a, a more stable feature. Yeah, I think that it's it's funny because it for me it sort of ties in with the social media influencer thing, where their their perception of value to the market, so their clients maybe being a clothing brand or a holiday destination, um, their perceived value to them is how well liked they are as influencers. Think about that. That's mental. Mm-hmm. How well liked are you? Well, how do you measure it? The number of likes I get on my Instagram posts, the number of followers I've got. That is then perceived as their value to a clothing brand or a travel destination or a makeup brand, whatever it may be. The pressure that puts on them, the so-called influencer, is absolutely enormous. So then they've got they've got to create this sort of facade of a particular type of person in order to continue to get likes, to continue to get followers, in order to continue to get work. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just strip it all back and just be you with your own skill set, your own abilities, and just be appealing to maybe a smaller group of people who really, really gel with you, who are on the same sort of vibrational plane as you, mm. and do business with them. Yeah, I think that's... You want people to like you and to value you for who you are, right? Now, that, again, doesn't mean that you're static, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to continue to develop. Um, but if you're creating some kind of fantasy version of yourself that's that's always going to be doomed to failure yep. we all do it to a certain extent we all kind of you know mask certain characteristics in different situations and we have social etiquette and we have all that other stuff don't we um but like all these things that if you if you're doing that stuff too much you're living a fantasy yeah it's funny because I was, I was telling cameron and um on the drive and to to graph today um, that this morning, I can't remember why, but I ended up looking up to YouTube influencers whose, whose content I'd come across about five years ago. And I'd had a look at what they were doing five years ago, two English guys, um, 
with their own YouTube channels, Instagram accounts, all that sort of stuff. And they both on their websites described themselves as influencers. This is That was even before the kind mm. of whole social media influencer mm. thing really, really became a thing. Um, and there was just something about them that I remember at the time thinking, they really pissed me off. I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. It was the whole, every day is the best day ever. Look at the amazing lives we are leading. I can't believe I've got the chance to, to, to show you bronze new men's grooming kit. It's absolutely fantastic. There was just something about it that resonated mm -hmm. with me as being really, really false, really, really disingenuous. But it was clear that they were creating a perceived image of themselves that was going to be seen as being valuable to brands because they were so likeable to everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But me as a guy in his 40s, just like, these are a couple of irritating wee pricks. Mm -hmm. That's the perception I had of them. So anyway, for some reason, they came into my mind this morning and I went and looked them up. Oh my God, how things have changed. Both of them have said separately on their blogs and made videos for YouTube talking about, guys, it was all fake. It was all fake. Mm -hmm. And we ended up being deeply, deeply unhappy. We were so concerned with pursuing being likeable and being liked that you know, basically that was their USP is how likable they were, um, and the whole every day is the best day ever, all of that sort of stuff. It was fake, and, and one of them basically almost had a complete mental breakdown, had to completely yeah, yeah. overhaul his whole life, split up with his partner, um, and is pursuing a completely different journey in life. And he's mm -hmm. basically said, "I don't care whether you guys like this or not. This is who I am. I need yeah. to be true to myself." And I think that applies in business where we're consistently feeling we need to present this, the most successful entrepreneur ever and all that sort of stuff, and win, 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 because we think that's what's going to boost our perceived value to the market. That's just not sustainable. Why not be true to yourself? Why not be authentic? Why not just be real? Mm -hmm. I like it, man. I would buy into that mantra. I think um, you reminded me as you were talking there of organizations when they're working on their brands and, the, and their values and they think all right well we need to start getting like bean bags in and um what do you call them these like soft play balls and we're going to dress up as bunny rabbits at easter and we're yeah. going to do all that stuff get a big t-rex costume and run through the office with it on that i mean a lot of that can be really cool it's a lot a lot of fun but if that's not really what your organization's about i'm not even sure the organizations that project themselves like that are like that all the time how, how, well you wouldn't get any work done could they be exactly right <laughs> Um, so again, it, there's a kind of parallel that gives people a false impression that, that businesses are like that. I, when I w work with organizations on their values, it's not, the issue is about identifying their values, making them explicit, and making them formal. It's not about creating values that are not there. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is most people, most people in most organizations, whether it's entrepreneurs or, or some of the larger organizations that I work with, it's not that they're devoid of values. They just don't have a vocabulary for talking about them. They don't know how to talk about their own values. And I'll just say, well, what's important to you? Like, what, what would be important to you? Like, so for example, if I say I value my health, I think we talked about this before, if I say I value my health, I'm gonna reach for the fruit and not the buns. So my value is gonna be expressed in my behavior. You know, my health's important to me and it gets expressed in my behavior. So often when I'm working with teams, for example, and we might do some values work because uh, some kind of shared value or and some kind of um, articulation of the team value is often very good for teams, for example. So um, 
a lot of it is just saying, okay, well, if you were faced with this moral dilemma or this team dilemma, what would you do? Well, I would look out for the customer. Okay, so customer service is a value then. Um, well, we'd look after our peers. Okay, so, you know, um, peer care or whatever is our value or whatever. And it starts off really clumsy, but then yep. you can start to narrow it down. And then once they they appreciate that, yeah, that this always turns up in our behavior, then what it means is if team members swap out and new team members come in, you can say, okay, well, if that team, if the new team members trying to understand, well, what's the context of this team and how, how, we, how, how am I supposed to make decisions in certain situations? You can start to use the the formal values as a way of yeah. um, um, en engaging them in the culture, so they can make decisions from the team even when they're in a room by themselves. So that's that's really important for organisations. Really important for individuals. Yeah, because and, I mean, and it has to be something that's really there. You can't, yeah, you can't, you can't make it up. No, because again, it, I mean, I'll use that word again. It's not sustainable. If you if you want to project a version of yourself, so you're a, you're a one man band, you're a solo enterprise. You're really good at what you do, but you're trying to project a version of yourself um, that isn't really there. Good luck keeping that up long term. You're better yeah. to at the start just be really, really honest mm. about the skills that you've got what matters to you and what you bring to your customers and build your values off the back of that because that's who you are. Mm -hmm. Then you can continue doing that after year one, year five, year 10 without having to completely reinvent yourself every six months. Yeah, and, go, and going back to what we were talking earlier about, you know, do you, do you continually try and meet other people's needs, your customers, and you keep changing your own identity? So the alternative to that is if you know what you're about, if you know what's important to you, if you know what values are important to you, you're going to start acting congruently with yourself. You're likely to attract the types of clients yep. that have the same values, the exactly. clients that want to work with you. If they've got different values, we were talking earlier off camera about, you know, a company that might see things a little differently. You know, they have a preference for how certain people should be in certain situations. Well, they're going to attract people and they're going to turn other people off. Yep. So the question is, who, who do you want to work with? Um, some of that theme, um, you know, informed when I, when I created the, when I say created the brand, I did create it in the sense that, you know, I formalized it, but a lot of the material was there already for my own company, Think Distinct. You know, for me, it was about, like I've said this before, like a distinction is not something, like people always say, we want to do something like different. And I say, well, you don't want something different. You want a difference that's going to make a difference. You want something that's going to be progressive and developmental. So that's a distinction. Something that's um, the difference that makes a difference, right? That's what a distinction is. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, so that's that's part of the brand. That's already in the brand. Think distinct. And it has that connotation of being better, progressive, or whatever, standing out from the crowd. But the thing is, some people won't like that. No, you know, some people no. are going to go. Well, that's just kind of not my thing. And actually, when I, when I created the the company name quite a few years ago, now a lot of people said, mm, "Not sure about that." Even people that kind of like my stuff, well, yeah. I'm not, not sure about that. But what's interesting was once I started operating with it, and it it became synonymous with what I was doing. It, it connected. They said, "Yeah, you, you could only ever be think think distinct go. now." Um, and that becomes your personal brand identity as well because that's based on who you are 
and your approach to things in business and probably life as well yeah, yeah, yeah. and what you bring to your clients so then it's just this continual cycle yeah and so people who worry like what will you call your business or how will you brand yeah. certain things people who worry about that stuff as well and people who overly worry about that I think they're missing something well you, you perhaps know more about this than me I, I think it'll never come down to just the name or just the website or just the colours that you choose or just the business card or just the um, the elevator pitch we were talking about elevator pitches you know if I'm going to try and capture something in 30 seconds it's going to you know make super clear what my business is about I, I don't think there's any one thing ever that will will tell people what you're about no. it should be building up a relationship and it should be building up an appreciation of value over time I think, and I think it's important for, for people that are um, maybe new in business or think they're starting a business that the, the relationship that you have with client A will be different to the relationship you have with client B. There will be some crossover in how they perceive you as a service provider, but it's going to be completely different. Not, no, I shouldn't say completely different. There's going to be differences. Well, the, well this is where you're, you're hinting at the paradox then, right? So what's the same and what's different? Yeah. Now, I'm the same person that I'm when I talk to you, when I talk to... My, my professional clients when I talk to my, my friends and family it's still me it's still the same values but how they're expressed exactly. is different exactly there'll be there'll be continuity in, in certain things but um, so like so for example if I'm loving with my family that's going to play in certain ways if I'm loving with my clients I have to be appropriate it's going to work out in certain ways right yep. so that's where the paradox comes in you're not different you're not changing your values but you, you might be changing how you how you meet and how you yeah how you demonstrate clients. the values yeah, yeah. so so that, so that I, th I think that that's probably put it a bit better than I did that that's that's going to be there's going to be differences so one client will expect some things from you and you'll deliver them in a way that you think matches their expectations or com some comes close to it but a different client will maybe expect something different well, I think I mean you, you'll have friends that you know right this set of friends we would have a karaoke another set of friends. Yep. We're more likely to like sit and chat and whatever. Yeah. So, you, so your behaviours because you have multiple values. Mm -hmm. So they'll be expressed in different ways with yep. different groups of friends and with different members of the family and, and and whatnot. So similarly, you'll have different values that are expressed with different clients. So, so the thread that that needs to go through, I think, all of this, right? Everything that we've talked about today, um, from recognising your value, whether you're a one-man band or whether you're a multinational corporation it's the same thing you've got to recognize your value to the market um you need to be kind of true to what you offer to the market all that sort of stuff don't be shape-shifting a lot right so i would say a thing about that is it's like being true to yourself in a way well let's see is it is it in a way should be easy in some sense but it's like if you're feeling like mm, i like i shouldn't have said that or i shouldn't have done that or that's not really me the chances are you're kind of um, contradicting a value somehow. Yeah, you know. When when I do uh, when I do workshops, and, and I came to this conclusion a number of years ago, so I'll, I'll do a workshop. Maybe it's, in fact, I've got one coming up. For, it's for business gateway. So a business gateway workshop is different from maybe some of the other private workshops I've run. So business gateway workshops get a fairly set formula, and they're pitched at a certain type of small business. Um, but what I try and do is is just deliver them exactly the same way. Because see, if I don't, I hate it. I can't mm -hmm. enjoy it. So I've got to go and just be me. Mm -hmm. 
and being being me means sometimes being a bit caustic, sometimes calling bullshit on certain social media trends if it's a social media workshop. I don't want to go in with platitudes. I don't want to go in with going, yeah, great guys, just do this and everything. I don't want to do any of that. Because see, if I don't hold true to myself in that way, I absolutely hate the experience and it doesn't matter what I'm going to get paid. I need to go in and enjoy it. I need to go in and feel I can be myself. So the way I'll be when I'm talking with my kids, talking with my partner, talking with friends, um, a bit of sarcasm in there, all that sort of stuff, you know, try to be a plain, straight talker, I've got to do it. Um, and I think if I was if I was put in a position where it was to do workshops for an organisation who didn't want that, I would maybe do one and then go, I can't do it. Because I've got to... I've got to, I don't know. I was going to say I've got to be able to look at myself in the mirror. That's too strong. But you know that way you've just for you've got to kind of be true to yourself. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like a lot of people, if they're not quite sure of the work that I do, they say, like, are you like a motivational trainer? And I'm not really sure what that is. I Actually, I think it's quite an odd idea. Um, you mean like an entertainer? Is that what you mean? Yeah. It's like you're Tony going to Robbins. Come, we're going to come in and I'm going to fire up your company. Yep. Um, so everybody on their feet applauding so you I mean it's easy enough to get people's heart racing and heart heart beating but you know a a lot of the things that informs my uh, approach to professional and personal development is you know things can be tricky things can be tough you know identifying that being real being real with that stuff Um, sometimes people don't like that it's like no I want all the happy clappy stuff and um you know, so I'll challenge people sometimes, but the aim is not to challenge people to, um, to upset them. The, the aim is to challenge people to to have them encounter themselves. I don't know if that sounds too philosophical, but like encounter like what things challenge themselves and then develop a bit of honesty with yeah. themselves. I remember when I first started Postable, um, it was, I think it was the year I started at 2012, 2012, and I'd got... Um, I think before the end of that year, I'd got an office in the Templeton building, Glasgow Green, and I was really, really pleased with it. It's just a tiny wee office on the first floor, and I had a room for, I think, two desks um, that were already there. It was part furnished. One of them was a massive old sort of CEO's desk. It was a brilliant big desk, and I put a, a wee sofa in there as well. Um, but I remember spending ages and working really late one night figuring out what the values of this new company, because of this big idea that was going to be a growing company, a fast-growing company that was going to have employees and all that. But to figure out what the values were, um, and, and, it, and for all that dream didn't actually become a reality and I no longer have that office, the values are still the same because I was really, really clear on what I, f- I felt I could bring Um you know, I try I always try to be a breath of fresh air and talk straight, all that sort of stuff. Those were going to be the values. And printing out stuff, you know, you print out a kind of page where you've got a kind of mind map. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is going to lead to this and having them all around the walls of the office. Um, and I look back now and go, that was a lot of, it was probably a, a silly exercise, but mm-hmm. it felt like the thing to do at the time. Um, and I think no matter where we are on, on the business journey, go through that process of figuring out what your values are because those values turn into your the perceived value you bring to customers. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a couple of things I, I'm tempted to say. One is I think we should put a coin in every time we say business journey. Have you been saying it a lot? Is it me that? saying it a lot? No, I think I say it a lot as well. I, I, I know some of my viewers don't like the phrase journey. 
Anyway, no, I'm just I'm, right, play, okay, it's interesting. I, I'm playing with that. Um, do you know the other thing I was thinking of? So there's this idea that we have core values. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of merit in that way of thinking about things. I was hearing myself just speak there and I was thinking about myself. It's also true that values mature. You learn about values. So obviously you learn about values from your parents. You learn about values from the culture that you're in. Um, and there's values, you could say, there's values that I value now more than I ever did mm. when I was much younger. Yeah. So you can mature with that and you can learn about values. You can learn about ethics. You know, so when you're a kid, by analogy, when you're a kid, you don't really know an awful lot about ethics or or morality. You know, you learn them, you kind of learn right and wrong usually from your, your folks. Similarly in business, you know, you, sometimes you have to be in a situation to figure out what's the right thing to do. But you can, you can learn... To value things. So to say mm -hmm. that you have core values and to say that you have, you know, something that's stable doesn't mean that you're not developmental either. That's the no, flip side the of way, that. The way I see, when you're talking about that, the way I picture it in my mind is, is a very simple colour wheel. So a colour wheel would start with the three primary colours. So they could be your core values. Um, but as soon as you start to blend and merge, then you get more colours. And that tends to be, I think, what happens with our values when we're young. They start off as very basic and very primary, but then they start to merge and blend because we realise life isn't maybe quite as cut and dried as we once thought. Mm. And we adapt and we evolve our values, but they probably still go back, they're diluted down to some simple core things. Yeah, so, and there are, there are values that if you hold, life will test you mm. and will show you the limits of those values. And if there are other values that you hold, life will test you and will show the merit in those values. So I, I don't think there's, there are some authors, you were talking about Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. There are some interesting features in that book. Um, but he, he, he couches his sense of kind of values and the, the seven habits. He couches them as like immutable truths. Now he thinks they come from somewhere else, and you know if you're a person of faith, you, you could you could think I that. I think he's a, he's a lot he's a Mormon, isn't he? Yeah, right. and so I can imagine how you could come to that conclusion where they come from somewhere else. But for me, it's just that this is the way life works. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a bit like gravity. There are think there are certain things that are going to happen, and if you have certain values or certain ethics, life's going to test it. Like so, for example, I mean, like a simple thing would be like if you um, instead of investing now for benefit you might get later if you just like blow all your stuff just now that you know if, if that was your ethic if you're going to operate in that way that will start to show up now you might be lucky you might get through a lot of your life having no problem with that but that's it's going to start to show up yeah. similarly you know if you work in business in a certain way and you you know you think you could i don't know i don't know if you had an ethic where you overcharged someone or you you thought well i'll get away with a kind of um the least I could do for a customer. If that's your ethic, that will start to show up. It will start yep. to show up in the re results and responses that you get. So I don't think there's anything universal in the sense that I don't think they're in the universe, mm -hmm. right? I yeah, don't yeah. think, you know, find your purpose, find your values. That's not that kind of stuff, no. right? It's not that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that fundamentally we have a kind of reality we're trying to deal with and if you operate in certain ways it's going to show up it's going to show mm -hmm. up so you're going to test your values now you can learn that and some of those things can be hard lessons um or or you can uh well you, you can maybe more proactively try and learn it. i try more proactively try and learn that so 
Let me try and summarise my position on this. Because it's interesting. It's one of the benefits of of doing this, I think, is... It forces you to think about stuff that you maybe just take for granted. And I love that. And it's it's a big part of what I'm about, trying to formalise my own thinking and formalise other people's thinking, right? Because it helps, helps, uh, helps them sometimes. So... There's a stability to your values uh, that can be expressed in different ways. So your your values can stabilise, right? So in that sense, they're core or they're, they have a fixedness about them. But that doesn't mean they're immutable. That doesn't mean they're unchangeable. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, and that's how you can have someone who maybe engages in criminal activity and then they see, they see the light and they decide yeah. to ch- change it differently. And it's not a kind of supernatural light. It's just they come to their senses, right? Um. So there's a stability or there's a continuity to your values, and that's really useful because um, it helps you. Uh, it helps you know how to measure up and evaluate different situations to evaluate. You're using your values to measure and to check to check yourself how, how much should I charge in this situation or how should I behave. That's what mm-hmm. that's one of the benefits of values. But also, your values can develop; they can mature, and really, you, what we're saying there is you can learn new values, you can extend your values, you can learn to value certain values more than others. So there's a kind of flexibility there as well. You said values an awful lot in that, that sentence. I know. It probably takes, I'm going to, need to listen back to that and kind of break it down. I'm not going to disagree. So it's a, kind of ne- it's a kind of nested, not always be free to disagree because um, that's where the magic is. That's where the magic that is. That's magic happens. Um, so there's a kind of nested flexibility. Yeah, yeah continuity and then flexibility I think is yep. something that I'm, I'm trying to reach for okay. I think okay um, how are we doing for time 20 minutes 28 right we need to wrap up within 2 minutes then or the camera's cut off okay yeah um, right well so let me think uh, email in your, your thoughts so it's socialexperimentpodcast at gmail.com trying to get what camera looked at it's this one um, socialx on twitter and instagram um, and if you've enjoyed this, you know, leave a comment with your thoughts. Let somebody else know about either the video or the audio podcast. Um, wow. I feel this like is a pressure. learning process for us as yeah, well, right? Totally. Like we always say. So what have you valued? If you valued something in particular, tell us about it and then we'll know to do more about that stuff. If you value some stuff left, tell us about that. And, yeah. and stuff you'd like else. us to cover in future episodes. You know, obviously Landy and I kind of try and get our heads together what we're going to talk about and we'll come up with a kind of core idea and then just run with it. But... If you guys think you'd love to hear us talking about whatever it may be, something that's happening in the news, something controversial, something that's happening in business, I don't know, just let us know. It's called the Social Experiment Podcast because we're open to experimenting. See what... Um, um, we want to be social. And we want to be social as well. Right, thanks for watching and listening. Grant, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>